0: Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a little book, as we pick up in Revelation chapter 10, verse 8. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again. And he said, go and take the little book that is open in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and I said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it, eat it up, and it will make thy belly bitter, but it will be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey And as soon as I had eaten it my belly was bitter The idea is devour the book Devour the contents And and we sometimes use that term Well he really devoured that book you know In reading it Glorious what's going to be Glorious when the kingdom comes Glorious when Christ lays claim to that which he purchased. But the bitterness is the awful convulsions that the earth will have to go through before the kingdom comes. So when you read the things that took place when the seals were broken, the judgments that came upon the earth, that's a bitter pill. But the sweetness, of course, is is the the hope of that kingdom when it is established, the fact that he has taken his power and now reigns. And then he said unto me, that is to John, you must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. So there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, that is a measuring stick about the length of a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those that worship therein. Now, this tells us many things. First of all, that the temple is to be rebuilt because this is a yet future event. In fact, this is the event that takes place During the midst of the tribulation period, for we have not yet come to the seventh trumpet, nor have we yet come to the seven vials of God's wrath that are to be poured out. So during the tribulation period, the temple will be existing in Jerusalem. So the temple is to be rebuilt. And the worship is to be reestablished in the temple In Jerusalem, there is a small but very dedicated group of Jewish people who are fanatically involved, almost religiously so, in the desire to rebuild their temple. There are two or three organizations in Jerusalem that have dedicated themselves to the purpose of the rebuilding of the temple. Some of them are extremely radical to the point that they feel that they have to, by force, drive the Muslims off the the temple mount and claim it for the rebuilding of their temple. There are others who have taken a much more moderate view And feel that the Temple Mount should be divided So as not to create a holy war They should partition the Temple Mount with a wall Just to the north side of the Dome of the Rock Allowing them to rebuild their temple On that northern half of the Temple Mount area There are Scholarly men such as Dr. Asher Kaufman Who has made a study over many years of the Temple Mount And in his studies of all of the ancient records that he can get hold of Of all of the pictures of that area All of the accounts He has become convinced that Solomon's temple stood to the north of the Dome of the Rock Mosque. At 322 feet north of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, where this little flat rock outcropping called the Dome of the Spirits or the Dome of the Tablets exists, that that is where the Holy of Holies was in Solomon's temple. The fact that looking from it directly east you look over the east gate to the Mount of Olives helps to confirm the position of Solomon's temple. And thus he and other Jews take a more moderate stance believing that they can rebuild the temple over the site of Solomon's temple and not disturb the Dome of the Rock and thus Not disturb the Muslims. I believe that Dr. Asher Kaufman's group will prevail. For here, as John is told to rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those that worship, the court which is without the temple or the outer court, leave out. That is, don't measure it. Measure it not, for it is given. Unto the Gentiles And the holy city shall they tread underfoot For forty-two months So this outer court The area where the dome of the rock stands Is not to be measured Because it's been given to the Gentiles So there is in Ezekiel Another prophecy of the temple that is to be built Ezekiel also is told to measure it. Ezekiel records the measurements. But Ezekiel said he measured a wall around it, and the wall was to separate the holy place from the profane. So I I am convinced that the temple will be rebuilt, but I am convinced that the solution will lie in a wall north of the Dome of the Rock partitioning off the temple mount giving the Jews 10 to 15 acres there in the north side of the Temple Mount for their new temple, and it definitely will be rebuilt. I I expect that to take place probably not in the time that I am here. I believe that the whole arrangements will be made by the Antichrist once the church has been taken out. For he shall make a covenant with the people, But in the midst of the seven years He'll break that covenant And he will come to the temple And stand in the Holy of Holies And declare that he is God And demand to be worshipped as God So I don't expect to see the temple built I think that will take place After I have departed With the rest of the church And when the Antichrist then takes over So It's interesting to see this powerful movement growing in Jerusalem. There is one of the yeshivas, a school for the training of rabbis in the old city, that are training these young men how to butcher the animals for the sacrifices, according to the Levitical law. They are actually training them now for sacrifices and the offering of sacrifices. So it's something that they are very committed to. But uh, in God's time, it shall be. But I don't believe it will happen until we're gone. And um, it's going to be theirs. Now the Lord said to John, I will give power unto my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy for a thousand two hundred and sixty days Clothed in sackcloth These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks Standing before the God of the earth If any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth And devours their enemies If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed God is going to send two witnesses To witness to the Jewish people The time of the Gentiles at this point will have been complete. Now God is going to deal with Israel for one more seven-year period. Seventy-sevens were determined upon the nation of Israel. Sixty-nine were fulfilled from the time of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince. It took place 483 years after Artaxerxes gave the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, Jesus came. Now, there is one seven-year period left for Israel in which God will be dealing with Israel. And in the beginning of this seven-year period, God is going to send two witnesses. One of them will be Elijah. In the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, in the last chapter, and in the last few verses as God is ready now to close the door on Israel and going to open the door to the Gentiles and is going to send the Holy Spirit out among the Gentiles to draw out a body for Christ. So God's final word to Israel, of course, came through Jesus Christ. But uh, here in the Old Testament, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So the promise of the coming of Elijah again. And so he will be no doubt one of the two witnesses. The fact that they called down fire from heaven against their enemies. You remember when Elijah was here. And the king sent out a captain with 50 men to arrest him And he was setting up on the hillside And the captain came up and said Thou man of God come down I've come here to arrest you And he said if I'm a man of God Then let fire come from heaven and consume you and your 50 men And fire came and consumed the captain and the 50 men So the king sent another captain with 50 men to arrest him And he said, Thou man of God, come on down I'm here to arrest you And he said, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven And consume you and your 50 And fire came down and consumed them The king sent out another captain with 50 And he said, Sir, I'm a married man I have a wife and children and they love me (laughs) Have mercy on me I'm only following orders I wish you would come with me, please The king would like to see you and Elijah went with it. <laughs> but the ability of these two witnesses to call down fire from heaven, to consume their enemies. Elijah's up to his old tricks. They are the two olive trees, the book of Zechariah, the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Zachariah saw this vision You see, Zechariah was a priest And one of the jobs of the priest Were to fill the little cups of oil In this lampstand that stood in the holy, holy place of the temple There was this menorah This seven-armed lampstand That Moses had constructed And... They would fill the little cups with oil each day, a special type of oil that was prepared for this lampstand, uh, the formula that God had given to them. And this would burn and was the light in the holy place of the temple, and it would burn continually. The fire was never to go out. And so it was the duty of the priest to keep these things constantly filled with oil. And any job that is done over and over and over gets monotonous. Washing clothes or dishes or whatever, you know. Now, Zechariah being a priest, and no doubt many times going in and going through, the, and of course it was a ritual that you had to go through. You just can't do things simply. You can't just pour more oil in, you know. You gotta do things in a ritual way. You have to bathe before you go in and you have to, you know, do the whole routine. And, and Zachariah probably was just getting tired of the whole routine and, and so he had this vision and the vision was he saw these two olive trees and there were pipes that were coming out of the olive trees and the pipes were going to the cups. So the olive oil was coming directly out of the trees through these pipes into the cups, you know. It, it saved having to go in every day and do the routine. And the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel and said, this is, or said to Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, the oil being a symbol of the spirit. And, and there, therein is where the strength will lie, the power will lie in the spirit. And that continual supply of the spirit That is ours So these are the two olive trees These candlesticks standing before the God of the earth They have power to shut up heaven That it rain not in the days of their prophecy So for three and a half years It won't rain upon the earth anywhere Imagine the drought that that is going to create. They have powers. Now remember Elijah, when he was here before, prayed and it rained not for the space of three and a half years. Great drought in Israel during the time of Elijah, the reign of Ahab. Now again, shutting up the earth. They have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all of the plagues as often as they will. We know for certainty the identity of one of the witnesses to be Elijah. The identity of the other witness is not so certain. There are different Bible teachers who take different views. There are some who are certain it's going to be Moses Representing the law And Elijah representing the prophets The fact that Moses appeared with Elijah On the Mount of Transfiguration Seems like they are buddies and uh, they're working together The fact that they turn the water to blood, one of the plagues that were brought upon Egypt by Moses and it then refers to the fact they have the power to strike the earth with the plagues as often as they wish, points to Moses. Others believe it, was, it will be Enoch who did not die but was translated directly into heaven. For it is appointed unto man once to die, and in the Old Testament, two men missed their appointments, Enoch and Elijah. And so uh, they come in order that they might make their appointment with death. Because we are told here that after they have prophesied for three and a half years, then the beast, the Antichrist, has power to put them to death. So they finally make their appointment, a little late, but yet they make that appointment with death. So uh, there is good arguments. There are good arguments for either Enoch or Moses. I really don't know. It doesn't really matter. Now, when they shall have finished their testimony the beast that ascends out of the abyss or the bottomless pit will make war against them and will overcome them and kill them he cannot until they have finished their testimony they have a allotted time 1360 days and or 1260 days and they're allotted time to to witness and once they have finished that then he has power, but he hasn't power until they have finished their testimony. In a sense, I believe that God has control of our lives when we commit them to him, and he has a special task for us to fulfill, and that he will preserve us until that task is finished. There are a lot of times when a person has a very narrow brush with death. When you're in an accident and and you really should have been wiped out. There's no, there's no, you look at the whole thing and you say, you know, there's no way you could have come through that, but yet you have. person says, hey, God's not through with you yet, man. (laughs) And and I believe that that is true. I believe that there is a, a divine Protection upon us as we serve the Lord that's going to sustain us until God is through with us. But I think that as soon as we have finished our testimony, then the Lord's going to take us to be with him. Why would he leave us here any longer? So when they had finished their testimony, God has a task for each of us. Paul said, I have not yet apprehended that for which I was apprehended of Jesus Christ. Recognizing that when the Lord apprehended him, the Lord had a special ministry in mind. In fact, the Lord even showed Paul the things that he was to accomplish and suffer for his glory.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Revelation 10-11 through 11 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org.
1: And may the word of God dwell in your hearts richly through faith and being rooted and grounded. May you come into a broader comprehension of the fullness of God's love for your life. May the Lord give you a beautiful week. May He watch over you. And may He keep you with His arms of protection and love. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ, that it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.